Hey, Bayview family and friends, welcome back to Weekend Wednesdays, the podcast that brings a weekend worship into your midweek. My name is Min Su Kang, and I'm your host for this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of season two of Weekend Wednesdays. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you were blessed last week. I did receive actually a lot of encouragement from last week's episode, uh, the episode one of season two, uh, and our interview with the Boddings, just how encouraged people were uh, just to talk about spiritual warfare uh, from a different perspective and also from a different country. So thank you for those who came up to me during service. And uh, shout out to Mike, who also did that as well, just to uh, encourage and say that uh, this episode was really well done. And so I hope it blessed your week as well. This episode, we'll be uh, interviewing one of my friends from church. His name is Kim Wong. And that name might sound familiar because Kim did share his testimony uh, during our Easter service. And I don't know about you, but uh, all those uh, stories that were shared on Easter, I guess because of timing, it was just really hard to include them all. So all those details, just it really left me wanting to know a little bit more. And so we invited all three of those guests to share a little bit deeper on their story. And so uh, we sat with Kim to talk through his story a little bit deeper, especially in this area of spiritual warfare. I hope that this episode blesses your week and um, opens your mind and heart to the idea and the reality of spiritual warfare. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Kim, thank you so much for coming in and letting us do a little interview with you. Thank you for having me here. Um, so I just wanted to jump into our first question. Um, and yeah, I really wanted to invite you here because uh, at Easter, I heard a little bit of your story and I felt like I, w- I left it after I listened to it, kind of wanting more, a little bit more context, a little bit more meat to your story. And so Um, just as a spoiler, you know, you and I met up for dinner, Uh, we kind of talked about your story and stuff. And I said, you know, this would be great on the podcast. So kind of wanted to go back and ask you uh, some of the questions that I asked you that night. Um, So can you take me back to those moments uh, prior to your or even at the moment of your diagnosis, when you find out you had cancer, we talked a lot about the hopelessness and the directionlessness of your life during that period. Um, What was that like? Can you describe that to me? Right. Um, so back then I was just turning 26. And then a few months from graduating from law school, I had a, joint, uh, a job lined up. And um, so on paper, it seems like, hey, things are going pretty well. Um, but when the doctor like, told me that I had cancer, um, like I, uh, at the time, I actually felt a sense of relief because... Um, at the time, I was living my life in a way that there was a lot of internal conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, like you said, like I had a very deep sense of hopelessness and not really knowing what to do with my life. So, you know, like we all grow up thinking that, you know, we want to do something good for this world. We want to bring about, you know, some positive change. But then I think I was just at a point where I realized that, you know, that's, much easier said than done like the Mm. world is so much more broken than you can imagine and maybe my own self is more broken than i imagine and i just felt like hey why are we working so hard like what is this leading to and um as i'm asking these questions i'm also trying to survive 
because all my peers are getting good jobs and I had to work really hard to just not feel left behind. So mm -hmm. I was in a state where I didn't know what I was doing, but I had to work 120% at the same time. So a lot of conflict. And when cancer came, it's like, hey, this might be an opportunity to pause and think about life, you know, find these answers that, um, that will guide your life forever. So yeah, so when the doctor said, hey, you had 97% chance of healing if you do chemotherapy, I said no to that. And um, I thought to myself, hey, I'll find the answers to, to these questions and it'll be good. Mm. So yeah, that was an interesting point that you said that chemotherapy at the time wasn't really a solution. You kind of wanted to go and try other things. And so what were some of the things that you were uh, exposing yourself to in order to find answers to that hopelessness or that meaninglessness to your life? Right. So uh, once I opened the door to this, like I didn't really have to search much. People came into my life. People who were also searching for uh, answers to the same questions. Like I think the first person that, that came to my life after this was a new age believer. So for people who don't are not too familiar with this, like new age is all sort of like believing that people are spiritual beings and we all have this like untapped spiritual power where once we tap into it, we can kind of manifest um, what we want into the physical reality. Mm -hmm. So for a cancer patient, that is very appealing because, right. you know, once you tap into that power, you're, you can physically heal yourself. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I tried a lot. Um, and then the other one was Buddhism, which is very popular in China, which is basically kind of like um, overcoming, you know, the desires, the self, and kind of reach enlightenment. And I went as far as um, going to Taiwan and be like an apprentice to this um, Taiwan like guru master mm. thing and lived at his like center for like a year. Wow. And uh, with all his disciples. And then, you know, that it's uh, that that's how far I went, like searching. This is kind of like the storyline of Doctor Strange, a little bit, the Marvel thing. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I was, I, I romanticize it as like Little Prince. Oh, yeah. Going to different planets. Little Prince, Doctor Strange. Yeah, same, same. same. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm guessing that these two things weren't solutions to your actual sickness. Is that correct? No, so um, I would say everything that I tried, and I only listed a few, like I tried a lot. Um, everything I tried, I found that at the beginning, like it worked a little bit and it gave you some hope that it will work, but it always plateaued. And then you start seeing, you know, how should I say, kind of gaps and flaws in their beliefs. Like mm. you start seeing like, hey, that doesn't really make sense. Mm. And um and at the same time, my body wasn't getting better, any better. Actually, when I left Taiwan, they actually cursed me. They were like, hey, if you leave this place, you know, like this spiritual world, like give you the opportunity to come learn from our master. But if you leave, you'll be cursed and you'll die. Wow. So that was very difficult to take. And um, so I was in a lot of fear, actually, mm. when I left. And that was at the lowest point in my physical health. I think I was like down to 97 pounds. Wow. My tumor was like 15 centimeters wow. times 15 centimeters. And then 
um, coughing blood and all that, like very, very, like close to dying. Mm. So with that, I'm wondering, how did Jesus step in as another option for you? And how did he become the solution actually to your, not only your physical health, but also to your spiritual condition? Right. So I actually spent almost three and a half years just trying out all these different solutions. And um, uh, obviously, I wasn't getting any better. And then, but at the same time, while I was trying, my mom actually started going to church. And, um, and I was invited to Alpha. Oh. Yeah, wink, wink. And, uh, <laughs> and um, Alpha actually asked a question, and then a pastor picked it up, and they started inviting me to her home. And she would care for me and ask how I was and kind of dive deeper into what I was thinking mm-hmm. um, like no one else would. Like she was not judgmental at all and then very open to what I was thinking. Like Because a lot of people couldn't accept what I was doing, but somehow she could. At the same time, I felt like she was just very gentle and natural and telling me about Jesus, but at the same time, kind of letting me explore so that was kind of like the seed of faith Mm -hmm. but what really led me to putting my faith in jesus was nothing other than like i just tried everything and nothing worked and i'm almost dying so i'm at the end of my rope i was tired i cannot even describe how tired i was Mm -hmm. like all aspects just tired and then just came to a point where I had to go to the hospital the next day because my mom couldn't accept it anymore. And then this pastor was like, hey, Kim, like, do you want to be baptized before you go? And I said, yes. And then that was the day when I prayed to God that I'm tired. I tried everything. Nothing worked. You're my last hope. Please take whatever is left of me. Like, here you go. Mm-hmm. Nothing left. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you said at dinner, which was a beautiful thing, was like, what you feel about in your story is a sense of you can't be so far gone that Christ will not rescue you. And that's something you relate to deeply. Is that correct? Not just so far gone, but like I searched for, I tried everything except for Jesus. Like that was like my last, last option. Mm. But he still took me mm-hmm. in like like a son. So I, 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 I'm always very touched when I read the, prodigal son yeah. story because I feel like I'm both the elder son and the younger mm. son. This is my last question for you. When I hear your story from Easter and even during dinner and just getting more context today, I hear a lot about faith. I hear a lot about this, even if we put it in the context of the armor of God, I hear a lot about the shield of faith. And so I'm wondering if like, you relate to that, um, that armor and you also mentioned that chemotherapy was even an exercising of faith, taking that whole treatment. So can you provide a little bit of detail and context around that? Sure. So um, after baptism, I think like the next day I went to the hospital. And then I think three days later, I had to make a choice. Um, they stopped the bleeding, the coughing, but I had to start chemotherapy. That's what they had in plan for me. No one talked about success rates anymore at the time, but it was like, hey, do I do it? I, I, th- I feel like at the time for me, 
I was hesitant because, in a way, it just looks really stupid to not do it three and a half years ago and right. doing it now. I feel like there's a sense of like embarrassment to take it. There's also fear, obviously. But then God very miraculously gave me this story before making this decision. Like somehow I, I heard this story about this pastor in a village that was flooding and then he was praying for help. And then this boat came, he rejected this help, said that God will save him. Second boat came, third boat came, said the same things, drowned, and then blamed God for not saving him. Mm -hmm. And then God told him, hey, I sent you three boats. You just didn't see it. You just saw what you wanted to see. Mm. You didn't see what I was giving you. So for me, that was actually the first major faith test. Because I feel like I was the pastor and chemotherapy was the boat. And if I don't take this boat, there's not another boat coming again. Mm -hmm. So the, the question is, do I trust God or do I trust myself like how I did the three and a half years of battle? And um, I just remember that was like the biggest battle in my life. But it happened silently in a hospital corridor for mm -hmm. two hours. Right. Watching the fingerprints of God through the journey. And I found that he was there all along. And then I made the jump and then mm. just found peace and rest after that. And then just gave everything. And then like I wasn't even praying for recovery. I was just like, hey, God, I know you love me and I trust that you're good. Mm. And whatever happens, I know it's good. Yeah, that's that sounds like such a not only a well you ended up being physically healed, yeah. but what you just shared there is such a deep spiritual healing as well. Uh, we started off your story talking about hopelessness and meaninglessness and you're left with an utter sense of peace in Christ. That's amazing. And just our chat today, I was wondering if you can pray just for our listeners today whether they are part of the Bayview Glen family or they're listening. Could you pray for our listeners specifically around this concept of faith? Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being this powerful yet gentle and good God and that you are so full of mercy. Even though people run away from you, people reject you, treat you as their last resort when they have nothing else to go to you still pour out your love to people who are willing to turn and you help them turn. You have so much patience. So God, I just pray that people would know how great you are, how great your love is, and that they would never feel that they're too far away, too far gone to return to you. I just pray that you would increase our faith that we would always know that you are ready to accept us and that you want us and that your love is so much more than we can imagine and so much bigger than all the sins that we have. Thank you. Amen. Amen.